Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We've been enjoying the series on it. Why do we do that, haven't we? Because, uh, you know, it's good for us all to have a proper understanding of our foundations. Because the foundations are things that secure us. Uh, you know, and Jesus, you know, he talked, didn't he, about the city built on sand and the city built on the rock. And the thing is, you can look at the cities and from the outward appearance, they can look very much the same. But when the winds and waves come, that's when the difference comes. And it's our foundations that secure us and enable us to stand in the day of trouble. So it's good for us to uh, ask questions. You know, uh, if there are things that you don't understand, please ask questions. Don't just, you know, think, well, I've never understood that. Well, you know, ask questions. It's good to ask questions. So this morning, we're going to ask ourselves this question, why do we speak in tongues? At times, uh, probably not so much now, but at times it's been a pretty contentious issue uh, in the church. In fact, when, uh, when we were first filled with the Spirit, which is a good many years ago, but it's Southampton University, um, it was a very contentious issue. And uh, one of the churches that we used to go to then, there was a, a great preacher. He was a fantastic preacher, but he wrote this book entitled Why You Should Not Speak in Tongues. <laughs> and uh, he, he had a habit of inviting people from the university around to his house for tea on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, you could often be greeted by him saying, you're not one of those tongue speakers, are you? <laughs> to which the answer was usually, yes, hallelujah, praise <laughs> the Lord, I am. <laughs> but... Um, you may have encountered people who've said that tongues is something that died out in the early church. They're usually the same people that say that miracles don't happen today. But I just want to encourage you, before we start, uh, this first scripture in Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear, his ear heavy that he cannot hear. God's hand is not shortened this morning that he cannot save. He can save. He can deliver. He can heal. He can touch your life this morning. He can change your life this morning. He's the same God, isn't he? Yesterday, today, and forever. I believe in a God of the supernatural. I believe we're going to have the supernatural. When God spoke at the very beginning, it was supernatural. Something happened. The Holy Spirit was waiting, was hovering and waiting for the word. And when the word came, the Spirit said, right, I can work with this word. I can do something with this word. And life came, light came. Hallelujah. God is a God of miracles. He's very much alive and well in his church ever powerful to save and to heal and to bring encouragement by the Holy Spirit. 
You know, and I believe the Holy Spirit uh, is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he's the one sent from heaven who still gives gifts to men and women, boys and girls, for the equipping of the saints and for building up of the body. So if we go on to our next scripture, Ephesians 4, 13. This will continue. (laughs) This will continue. It's important that we understand that. Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I just want you to know this morning that God hasn't finished with you. That wherever you find yourself today, God is continuing to do something and to work something into your life because the end is not yet. Until you reach that full maturity, that full standard, God has not finished. God's not finished in my life, hallelujah. His work is continuing. His purpose is continuing. He wants to give you a future and a hope. You know, that great promise that we see in Jeremiah there. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's got a future for you. God's got a hope for you wherever you find yourself this morning. His work will continue. And uh, before we just look at the Word of God, I, I want us to pray because the Word of God is living and active. I hope you believe that. The Word of God is living and active. It's not just Word. There's something behind it. It's God himself speaking. It's the ruer of God. And it brings life. And it brings light and revelation. So, Father, we want to thank you this morning that as we come and we read your Word, Lord, that every word is God-breathed. And, Lord, it's profitable for us this morning for our instruction and for teaching and for training in righteousness. So we pray this morning that you will take of your word by your spirit and that word and spirit will work in harmony in our hearts and lives this morning. That we will continue, Father. That we will become mature, Father. That we will attain to the full stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want us to to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And uh, we will have it on the, on the screen for you there. I, I'm reading usually from the New Living, which is what I read from mostly, but you'll find that occasionally, as with that first scripture, I kind of go back into the King James because that's how I remember yeah. <laughs> a lot of scriptures from the King James. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. 
and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They're just drunk, that's all. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Hallelujah. Praise God for his word. Uh, His word is a lamp unto our feet, isn't it? And a light unto our path. That's why... We need to read it. We need to study it. It needs to be something that uh, is important to us because it's like a torch. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Jesus had instructed the disciples, if we go on to the next slide, uh, in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. In just a few days, you will be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew exactly what they needed. Jesus knows exactly what you need. He was going to send the person of the Holy Spirit. Not a power, but a person. So they were expecting it. They were praying for it. They were waiting for it. They knew it was coming, but still, it came suddenly. I love that, don't you? Even though they're expecting it and waiting for it, it was still a sudden thing because God broke in. I love God's suddenness. When he breaks into our time and our space, when heaven touches earth, something happens, something amazing happens. To me, it emphasises both the sovereignty of God and the power of God, but also it shows the powerlessness of the disciples. They, they, they had no power. They had nothing of themselves until the Holy Spirit came with power and demonstration. And the thing that strikes me, first of all, about this passage is it says... In verse 2 there, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It filled the whole house. You know, there wasn't... uh, Have you ever been uh, to a stately home or or one of those houses where you suddenly come across areas that are roped off and there are rooms that you can't go into? There are private apartments. And... uh, You know, God doesn't want that, does he, in our lives? He doesn't want doors that are closed. And so you can come into this room, but you can't come into that room. 
God wants to fill the whole house. And uh, it wasn't very quiet. (laughs) It was full of commotion. It was full of noise. There was something happening. There was life. If ever you go into a home where there are small children, it's rarely quiet. (laughs) There's noise. And there's noise because there's life. There's life in the house. I like it when there's life in the house. Hallelujah. You've probably heard the phrase, uh, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Uh, Unless we ask Jesus into the whole house, then he's not Lord of all. He wants to be Lord of all. He wants to come into the whole house and he wants to fill us with himself. He wants to fill us with that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the verse, that verse four says, everyone present was filled. There were no bystanders. There were no onlookers. There were no people just there to make up the numbers. Ethnicity wasn't an issue. Gender wasn't an issue. Background, experience and spirituality weren't an issue. Everyone was completely filled. That's what God wants for his house. Everyone filled from the youngest to the oldest. Peter puts it into context, doesn't he? By explaining to the crowd that, it's the, that what they're witnessing, what they're seeing is the very thing that Joel, the prophet, had prophesied about. And if you go back into Joel 2, I think, oh, have we got a slide for this one? Yeah, I think we might have. Oh, no, we haven't, sorry. Uh, Joel said in Joel 2, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And what is it that actually happened to them? Well, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. I'm reminded of, uh, of that picture that we read in Isaiah where the prophet is touched with the burning coal. Do you remember that? He has a vision of the Lord. It's the year that King Uzziah died. It's a time of great um, commotion in the country. But yet in the midst of it all, he has a vision of God and this this angel comes with a burning coal and touches his lips. Something powerful happens when heaven invades earth. And here again, heaven's fire had touched earthly lips. New languages had been released. New abilities had been unlocked. And a new passion for the lost had been ignited within them. And, you know, an encounter and a a filling of the Holy Spirit can never leave you the same person that you were before. And it says... In the next slide, they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They were speaking in tongues that had not been naturally learnt. It was a clear demonstration that something powerful had taken place in their hearts. And verse 11 declares... We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God 
has done. Hallelujah. Jesus said, is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This, it says, he spoke of the Spirit. That's what God wants. He wants to unlock on the inside of us a river of life. It was accompanied for the believers by a fresh revelation of who God was. Just like Isaiah. Isaiah had that fresh revelation and the believers themselves here as well. They had a fresh revelation of who God was and they were emboldened to fearlessly declare his works. Not just in the meeting room, but in the marketplace. And do you remember when we were together at Momentum and I can't remember whether it was David or John was talking about the meeting place is the training ground for the marketplace. I like that little phrase. The meeting place is the training ground for the marketplace. What happens here fundamentally affects the way that we live the rest of our lives. It fundamentally affects our tongues. It affects our language. And for these believers, their language was never going to be the same again. Their conversation was never been going to be the same again. That's what happens when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It changes what comes out of our mouth. So I want to kind of quickly summarise then on this next slide uh, what we've said about tongues so far. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes from heaven. Amen. It was confirmatory evidence that the believers had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was accompanied by a total transformation and empowering of the believers. It was available to all the believers who were waiting and eagerly expecting. It was a sign to all the unbelievers in Jerusalem that God was with them. And it was a fulfilment of both an Old Testament prophetic word and the promise of Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Um, if you want a copy of these notes or things, that, then I'm quite happy to make them available afterwards. And, you know, this wasn't a one-off manifestation. You know, if we read on in Acts, we see that as the gospel was preached far and wide, and even the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, and you can read about that in Acts 10. And they spoke in other tongues, praising God. This, I believe, revolutionised both their walk and their witness. And it'll do the same for us as well. When we're filled with the Spirit, when we're praying in tongues every day, it will completely revolutionise our walk and our witness. And I just want to talk now about uh, some practical uh, outworkings of this um, out of what Paul teaches. So if now you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14... um, because Paul helps us uh, here uh, in this passage uh, 
to teach us about tongues and the use of tongues in the church. So let's look at uh, these first uh, four verses of 1 Corinthians 14. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophesy, prophecy strengthens the entire church. So, you know, at first reading, when you read this chapter, uh, it might seem as though Paul is saying that tongues is unimportant. But in fact, what he's doing is, is he's teaching them that in the context of the church coming together, there needs to be godly order. And it's not a free-for-all. And, uh, you know, this is kind of helpful for us. And uh, if you read verses 26 to 40 particularly, we won't do it now, but if you look at that, he, he gives a pattern there in those verses as to how um, our meeting should be with tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And verse 2 there says, if you have the ability uh, to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. And this is an important uh, clue for us because, you know, we need to understand that tongues enables us to uniquely connect and communicate with the throne room. It's Godward in its focus and its direction. It is predominantly a heavenly language. You know, I know the scripture talks about, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, uh, it's, a, it's a language that's directed towards the Father. And because it's that, it's where we utter mysteries to God himself. And verse 4 there says, a person um, who um, speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Tongues builds us up in our spirits. It's in the spirit realm that it's operating. And this helps us then to understand what Paul's talking about in verse 18, which is the next slide. Um, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. You know, that was quite a boast in a church where tongues was kind of almost out of control. <laughs> uh, it was very evident and very abundant in, in the Corinthian church. But Paul says, I, thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. Because he understood the value of tongues. So speaking in tongues is something that's very valuable and vital in our own personal devotions. It enables us to have a one-to-one -one with the Father. Uh, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember those old BT adverts. 
Seveners. <laughs> you know, who would you most like to have a one-to-one -one with? Well, tongues enables us to have a one-to-one -one with the Father. And it edifies and builds up the believer in his spirit. And, you know, as Phil encouraged us last week, when we're worshipping God, when we're praising and exalting him, there comes a point when we run out of words to express and to magnify him. And that's when our heavenly language of tongues can help us to praise and adore him. And in our prayer life too, tongues is a vital tool enabling us so that when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, we can continue to pray in tongues and intercede without words. And uh, I just want at this point to commend this, this little book to you um, called Pray in the Spirit by a man called Arthur Wallace. Now, Kate and I had, had the privilege of knowing Arthur and Eileen Wallace. Um, they're both with the Lord now. But he wrote this book, Pray in the Spirit, and it's, it's not a complete treatise on prayer, but what it does do is, is, is help unpack what praying in the Spirit is all about. Now, I think it is actually out of print, but you might be able to get a copy on, on eBay. St Stephen says they go for about £20. I don't know if that's true, but he, he says it's older than the Torah, but... Anyway, if anybody wants to borrow my copy, they can do, although it is slightly falling apart. But uh, be encouraged with that. It's a, it's, a, it's a good read. Anything else you see by Arthur Wallace, get hold of it and read it. He wrote a, a great book called In the Day of Your Power, um, which was one, one of the books that really helped me when I was first um, filled with the Spirit. So, tongues is important because it enables us to communicate in the spirit realm. It opens the door for the Holy Spirit and it's then a launching pad. You know, tongues is a great launching pad for other supernatural gifts to start operating. This is very important because when we speak in tongues, we make that connection with heaven and then we often find that fresh revelation then breaks into our hearts and minds. So tongues is a doorway, it's a key for unlocking us in the spirit realm. So we can learn firstly to speak in tongues and then as revelation comes, we can start to interpret and then to prophesy. So I think we should be on slide 17 now, which is the next one, I think. Is that right? Slide 17, is that 17? That one. What then shall, shall we do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I will also sing in words I understand. So one is, if you like, it's a key to the other. A praying in the spirit, then praying in words, singing in the spirit, singing in words I understand. So tongues is so often the trigger for the revelatory gifts of the spirit because it plugs us into that power source. 
And once we're connected into that power source, it's like plugging in, you know, plugging into the main. You know, all things are possible because there's limitless power available once we're plugged in to the power. So, you know, adding to our summary slide, we can now see, as well as all those things, seven, it enables a one-to-one link with the Father using a heavenly language. It edifies and encourages the believer, builds a bridge to enable other gifts like interpretation and prophecy, and it helps strengthen our prayer life, our intercession, and our worship. So I just want to commend those 10 important reasons uh, why every believer should speak in tongues. Now, I've got um, a whole lot of common questions that people ask about tongues. And what, uh, what I think we'll do, if you just want to put them up, is we'll, um, we'll circulate these to the life groups and uh, then maybe you can um, talk about these uh, practical things. Um, hopefully, we've, we've started to answer some of those questions as we've looked at the word. But uh, are they for today and are they biblical? Are tongues the only evidence that people are filled with the Spirit? Can and should all believers speak in tongues? Should those who speak in tongues also interpret? Should tongues be exercised at all in the church gathering? And do you need to speak in tongues to exercise other gifts? Good questions. Good questions. So uh, uh, enjoy talking about those and studying the scriptures together uh, as you get together in, in your groups. But I just want to say that if we just look at, at uh, slide 21, a 2 Corinthians scripture, um, I think it's... That's right. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I believe that tongues are very much for today. That kind of slightly answers one of the questions. And, you know, I hope that some of the scriptures we've looked at today help you understand that there is a scriptural basis for tongues. And I trust you're convinced, uh, convinced of that. Hallelujah. So what are we going to do now? So in conclusion, I just want to leave you with Paul's exhortation to the church which is in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, which is Ephesians 5, 15 to 20, which is slide 28. If you can just quickly uh, whip through to slide 28. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Today, if you would like prayer for baptism in the Spirit, if you'd like prayer because you'd like to move in the gift of tongues, then don't put it off for another occasion. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of grace. And uh, just a final slide again, that verse we started with. Slide 29, I think. (laughs) Thanks to Tim particularly for doing such a great work on all the slides. Anyway, it was that scripture that we started with. His hand isn't shortened and that he cannot save. Neither is his his ear heavy that he cannot hear. God's here this morning and he's a God of miracles. He's a God of power and he wants to equip us for every good work in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.